Right, good to see all of you here today, and uh, excited to have you here. <clears throat> As you know, we are starting a new study, and uh, I would encourage you, if you can, to get the book, uh, because this is a different kind of study than the last, oh my, many that we have done. Uh, first of all, it's written by a man, so I lost my excuse that a lady said this, so I have to take full responsibility for what I say. But uh, the second thing is um, that this is a more in-depth book, and so it isn't like I can take a chapter and then easily digest it. Uh, this is going to be somewhat incremental, and I might even, after a period of time, stop, do another study, come back to it. So. Uh, because I want you to get it, and uh, it is a great resource, and it'll be a great help, and it's very practical. I mean, it's not like it's heavy duty, it's just a lot to it, it's thorough. And frankly, if you can sort of read ahead, that will help you. It's not necessary, because I'm not going to go into detail with it. I'm going to give the highlights of it, and, uh, and so I just wanted to mention that. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this here today. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for uh, each of these ladies de desiring to be used of you and, uh, and to want to learn of your word. I pray that you'll give me wisdom here today. And Lord, would you just give clarity. Lord, you're able to make us understand and that's what we ask. And so Lord, would you bless now in this introductory session in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, changed into his image, Christ's image. And if you'll uh, look at Romans 12, 2, most of you know uh, that verse. Uh, these two verses, whenever I sign a Bible, I will sign it and put Romans 12, 1 and 2. My dad actually preached about a three or four month uh, series on Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, so he really emphasized it. However, we learned the book of Romans while he was doing Romans 12, 1 and 2. But I remember as a young man, I heard that series at least twice, maybe three times. So it had a deep impression upon me. And the reason that this, uh, this verse is so important is that you have the great doctrinal sections of uh, the first part of Romans that deal with salvation, sanctification, uh, what all God is doing. It is the great treatise on that by the inspiration of God. And so this is the practical application of the great truths of what we have in Christ. And so verse 2, of course verse 1 says, And I beseech you therefore, brethren, that uh, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we don't want to be pressed into the mold of the world. Remember uh, the world is controlled by the God of this world, Satan, and we're seeing his ugly head every part of culture right now. There's no masking it now. Um, but uh, we want to instead be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Letting the Word of God transform our thinking. We are what we think, and we can start walking in the perfect will of God. Isn't that exciting? Anything that God says is possible is possible. And that's what God wants for us. 
And so the first uh, emphasis here is on understanding biblical change. Understanding biblical change. Uh, so often, and I agree with his beginning here, he talks about the fact that Christians will say, well, I want to be like Christ, or I, you know, I want to be a good Christian. But then you ask him, what does that mean? And it's really vague, really vague. And he uses the illustration of, um, of uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, citation. This award goes to those who, like good old Chris, when they set out to do something, don't know where they are going, neither do they know how to get there. When they arrive, they don't know where they are, and when they return, they don't know where they've been. <laughs> well, um, sanctification is not that kind of journey. Certainly it's unknown in that it's new territory, but it's not unknown because we have the roadmap. We have very specifically given to us um, the keys to seeing the Spirit of God transform our life. And so he emphasizes the word sanctification. That's a big doctrinal word, but it actually comes out of a word that you're very much used to if you read the Bible at all. It, the word sanctify is there, but the word holy. It's the idea to set apart for sacred usage. Sanctification is the process in, by which God uh, transforms us into his image and makes us acceptable uh, for service for him. Now, one of the great attributes, as we preached on in the first, uh, first part of this year in the church, was on the holiness of God. God is set apart from all that is uh, imperfect and unholy. He is, uh, everything he does and is, comes out of per the perfections of, of moral perfect, uh, virtue. That's why he's perfect in his love. He's perfect in his mercy. He's perfect in his long-suffering. He's perfect in his wrath, and he is perfect in his holiness. He is set apart from all that is finite. He's set apart from all that is limited, and on and on you could go. And God wants to set us apart. He wants us to have that same trait of his holiness. That's an amazing thing. People that deserve hell saved by the grace of God, imputed the righteousness of God in our inner spirit. <clears throat> the Spirit of God is therefore able to indwell us. And so therefore, the process of developing in us uh, genuine holiness, uh, that's just a remarkable thing. Uh, God has given us the ability through His Word and through the indwelling Spirit to have victory over uh, the downward tendency of our flesh. Thankfully, folks, when you get saved, your spirit is no longer the old man that was dead in sin, separated from God. You were born uh, again. You were born from above, regenerated. You were given eternal life. And Ephesians 4.24 says that uh, the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness so get this, the real you is holy. Oh, 
say, well, but my flesh isn't really good. Well, we're not talking about your flesh. We're talking about your spirit. Aren't you glad? Uh, that's, uh, listen, Holy Spirit couldn't indwell an imperfect spirit. You had a miracle happen. You're a new creation. Uh, the minute you got saved, that was a big deal. You didn't just get fire insurance from hell. You became a new creation. And God indwells you, and you became a child of God. It's an amazing reality. But we have the flesh. And either the Holy Spirit controls our mind, will, and emotions and our bodily desires, or the, or the, fle or the flesh or the Holy Spirit control those. And, um, and so that's why sometimes Christians that are living in defeat, not walking in the Spirit, think, oh, I don't think I'm even a new man. Well, um, it's certainly um, you ought to be seeing change, but there can be real defeat in the Christian's life. Just read Romans chapter 7. And it helps you understand that. So what we want is to see change in our, our lives. By the renewing of your mind, which will control your emotions, which will also affect your will and keep you from uh, fleshly appetites of the body being fulfilled. In other words, when you have your, your, the Holy Spirit is working, you are thinking accurately, biblically, and then, and this is what we're going to be going over a lot, is that your thought processes begin to get routed properly in your mind. You begin to develop godly character through a now controlled will, and you develop new habits of life. And your emotions are not deceptive. They come out of spiritual reality. They are not what dominates you and cause you to do things that you ought not do. Now, what I just said there was a big mouthful, okay? Um, and that's where we're going. Now, let me say this before I go too far. Just don't let this study be complicated. It's not complicated. It's very simple. And uh, you already know what you need to know to see God work in your life. This just helps you look at the nuances of it. So let's don't complicate it. That's one thing I'm going to endeavor to do. And that's why I'm going to sort of give a, I try to give overviews as we go <coughs> so that you don't get caught in the weeds sometime. Now, he's very good at it, trying not to do that. But, uh, but so what we want is to see that regularly we're depending on the Spirit so we think like Christ our emotions are those of Christ's own heart. Our will is in accordance to the word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments, cherish my commandments, and that your body is under control by the grace of God so that you can accomplish what God wants you to do. That's a wonderful thing. And remember, at any point in the Christian life, you are either controlled by the spirit or yourself, the flesh. Now, Satan could be influencing, and often is, but the point is it's one of two. Right now, now you've heard me say this before, if all of a sudden a light went on, everybody that um, was uh, spirit-filled had a certain color, and everybody that was flesh-dependent had a certain color, uh, it would be a very embarrassing moment. <laughs> uh, hopefully a glorious moment, but, I mean, it would be very revealing. It's one or the other. And uh, all we have to do is humbly yield to him. There's no magic involved in this, but we need to walk in the Spirit. All right, that, uh, with that background, now, not just any change will do. He gives several um, examples. 
you can have a uh, teenager who is sulking and not doing well, and, uh, but uh, he starts having a better attitude because his parents gave him the car he was pouting about. That's not change we're looking for, okay. By the way, that's um, behavioral change based upon reward. Um, a depressed wife may become her cheerful self again because her alcoholic husband uh, uh, you know, reformed or, or decided to leave her, who knows. A college student may be getting better grades because uh, uh, they now have a boyfriend or girlfriend that's encouraging them. Now, these changes are not what we're talking about. There's a change in attitude, but it's because of environmental situations. And on and on you could go. Those are just the ones that he happened to mention there. Um, so we, we need to understand that the problem that we have and the reason we don't act right, we get bitter, we don't respond right, we find ourselves depending on the flesh is because we've got to understand that we have the natural tendency of, uh, of the flesh which we're, is deceitful. Remember, out of the heart, you see who you really are. Your actions come from what you really believe and what you've allowed the Spirit to, uh, to, to accomplish in transforming your mind. So we're not talking just about, we're not talking about reformation. We're not talking about feeling better. Well, all the books on feeling better, positive attitude, you know, believe in yourself. Huh. Well, that'll crash and burn pretty fast, uh, or whatever. No, that's not the change we're talking about. We're talking about transformation, which is a miracle of God based upon faith. He, um, he uh, gives the illustration of a tea bag, and you have hot water, and whatever is in the tea bag will become what the tea is. And uh, uh, I one time, I can't remember the specifics, but I thought I was getting just a nice herbal tea and it was a medicinal thing. Oh, yuck, you know, I wasn't needing the medicine. I was just wanting a good uh, a cup of, of tea, you know, herbal tea. And uh, so the hot water of life, that's the whole point, will bring out whether you got bitterness in your tea bag, whether you got anger, whether you got despair, deception, uh, whether you've got other things that are unsettled. And uh, he gives the illustration of Paul and Silas when they were imprisoned, what came out of them in the prison after they were beaten? Songs, praise to God. Yeah, that, that was what was in their heart. And uh, what a blessing. So that's what we want. We want internal change accomplished by the indwelling Spirit of God to change our mind, will, and emotions, and, uh, and that we uh, can be uh, living genuinely the life of Christ. And so that's really the issue here that we're dealing with. The result of the sanctification process, he says, is that the believer looks increasingly like Christ. He has become a grown-up, mature Christian. And so the characteristics of Jesus Christ are what we obviously, that is what God wants us to be. Paul said, be a follower of me even as I am of Christ. Okay. 
Now, one thing you need to realize, Jesus Christ actually lived in his humanity. And remember, what he did, he did in the power of the Spirit. Because his humanity had to be real humanity. He humbled himself and lived 33 years as a man. Not as a superhuman man, but as a man. He didn't have the sin principle, but he lived according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that's encouraging because we have the same Spirit in us. In fact, the Spirit comes from the resurrected, ascended Christ who has won the victory, so we have that great uh, glorious uh, reality in our lives. And so when we talk about being like Christ, it is allowing the Spirit uh, to uh, form Christ in our thought processes, uh, in our whole decision-making, in our attitudes, giving us victory over sin, enabling us to serve Him. It's just, you know, read the Gospels. Aren't you thankful for Christ having lived on this earth? We can relate to Him. What a beautiful plan of God. It's not some mysterious God up there. We can see Christ. We're going to be going to the Bible lands in just two months. I can't believe that. Uh, I didn't think we'd be going back this soon. But anyway, uh, but I remember I've been there many, many times. But first couple of times I was really moved by the fact that a real human being walked on these very pathways. And uh, he lived the life that we lived. And so we can begin to understand this is, this is what God wants for us. We're Christians. We are to have the very uh, glory of the reality of uh, the person of Christ even showing forth in our face and in our lives. That needs to be what we want uh, in our hearts. And, uh, and so uh, uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Now there are many illustrations given of trying to explain living the Christian life without the power of the Spirit. Uh, a chainsaw um, that's not turned on, <laughs> trying to saw down a tree with that. You pull the cord or plug it in and zoom, you know, that's the difference. Uh, a vacuum cleaner doesn't work too well if it's dependent upon electrical outlet power until it's what? Plugged in to the power source. He uses an extended illustration in here of his, uh, uh, his being, going to his grandfather's cattle farm in South Dakota, and they called the cat, uh, the caterpillar, the, um, uh, the small machinery that was there. The, uh, and it was, um, it was a tractor that could do all kinds of things. And um, it could dig, it could lift things. There's just nothing that a man could do really uh, without enormous effort uh, and you became far more productive if you were on the cat. And he talks about how that became impressed on him as a child uh, that this one piece of equipment made all the difference in the farming for his grandfather and uh, uh, it was uh, it was uh, amazing. However, what I like about the illustration, he talks about the fact as a, small, as a child, his uh, grandfather would let him just, as they were taking it back in, drive it a little bit. Because that, piece, that kind of piece of equipment doesn't drive like a car. Uh, 
I mean, it's really tricky. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, some of my experiences on tractors and all working on a ranch and on a farm. And boy, it took some doing to figure that out. And I was only a seventh, eighth grader trying to drive the, those pieces of equipment and, and uh, even got to drive a pickup truck back and forth on the old back uh, roads there. I thought I was really a big dude, you know, doing that. But anyway, but uh, like he said, the Holy Spirit, the cat can do a lot, but you got to know how to operate in, in unison with that piece of equipment. We have the Holy Spirit, and we need to mature to realize all that He can do and make the right decisions so that He can fully empower us to do what can be done. Interesting twist on that kind of an illustration, and it's, uh, that's very important. Well, the final thought that I'm going to cover today is that he emphasizes, which I'm glad, sometimes I don't see it as much in the study as I would put it there, but I will put it there uh, throughout the study. But he, he really highlights it here at the very beginning. The person of change is the person of the Holy Spirit. Ladies, he is not an it. He is not a force. He is not something that you control for your benefit. He is God Almighty. The Spirit of God moved on the waters at creation. The Spirit of God is the one who regenerates. He's the all-powerful God. This morning, as I always ask the Spirit of God to enable me as I begin to pray and all, it just hit me how, you know, we think of the humbling of Christ to come to this earth and do what He did. But think of the humbling of God, of God the Spirit to actually take up residence in us. I mean, that's an amazing thing. And I, I just uh, thanked him this morning that he would do that for me, and he is there. And so uh, we have to commune with the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that we have the power of God in us. He is the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of enabling. He is the spirit of Christ. He is the one that forms Christ in us. Do not depersonalize your Christian life. That's why, folks, extended prayer is important because you really need to allow God to make these truths real to you. And in your prayer, deal with these things and let the Spirit of God illumine those to you. And it's just transforming when you get a hold of the fact that you have the Spirit of God within you. He will give wisdom. He will uh, lead and guide. He will apply the great victory of the cross to your life. You died with Christ. You rose with Him. That reality, the newness of life, can be yours. And, uh, uh, and, and so the key verse, as he mentions, is Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't escape in life. But be filled. Be controlled. Be under the influence of the Spirit. And it's in the present tense. It should be all the time. I talked to not that silly little illustration if everybody was lit up, you know. But we all ought to be lit up with the right color all the time. And we're not talking about some ecstatic experience. We're not talking about anything but just being right with God and depending on Him. Letting Him have control. And I'm telling you, you go from um, being the uh, created lower than the angels with all the angelic powers over you and then God to being in having God control you, 
Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, we're so foolish to live one moment without the Spirit of God's control. That's why we get, that's why we feel weak. That's why we do the things we do. That's why we get discouraged. Because we forget who we are in Christ. So it's very important. And, and honestly, you don't walk in the Spirit, you don't grow. Case closed. Simple. Like I said, don't get caught in the weeds here. It's very simple. Are you right with God? That's why when we willfully disobey, we're not filled with the Spirit. God says, I want you to do this. And yeah, well, we've got to get that fully right. Uh, I mean, uh, being filled with the Spirit is simple, but it's hard because we don't like to admit that we have been independent, self-sufficient, or have hidden sins in our life. But if we get those things right, the Holy Spirit will control us. So the process of change, this book is divided into three aspects of our personal responsibility, and I'll leave you with this. Number one, mortification of the flesh. Number two, meditation on the word. Number three, manifestation of Christ's likeness. He's divided the book into that. And uh, the Paul's instructions, there's a chart here that I'm looking at. Uh, we're to put off the old man and put on the new man. We are, the, we are a new man, but we still have the ways of the old man. And, um, and then uh, we're to lay apart all filthiness and the flesh will be restrained through the Spirit's enablement. Meditation on the Word, that's how we're renewed in the spirit of our minds. We need to receive the engrafted Word. And so the Spirit of God will illumine us. And then manifestation of Christ's likeness, putting on the new man, being doers of the Word, Christ is revealed through the Spirit's fruit in our life. So, um, all right. Well, this is just the beginning, but uh, I trust this will be a help to you as we go through uh, some of the areas that sometimes we refer to in the matter of the Christian life, but we um, maybe don't go into some of the explanation and some of the specifics like we should, and I think that's what this study will help us do is to get to some of the understanding in that regard. So. We'll look forward to the study, and uh, so we'll let you go ahead and discuss this first part of this first chapter here in your time with uh, the tables.